0: In a world that's constantly shouting who you should be, have you ever stopped to think, who am I? Really? I want to take you through eight powerful steps where you're going to uncover the true you. You're going to align with your deepest values and you're going to come out the other side with a new sense of direction and joy and fulfillment that you may have not felt before. I want to introduce you to Awaken Me A journey to finding you, which is a transformative experience. It's crafted by me, Amy Wine, an award winning marriage and family therapist, professional counselor, and peak performance mindset coach, and a business strategist. I understand how to help people find out who they are at their core. And this is designed to do that past all labels and expectations of other people, of who they think we are and who they say we should be. So isn't it time to find out who you are and get out from under of all the expectations of the roles you play and who everybody else thinks and says you should be and how you should act? Because I think it's time to awaken your true potential in life. So join me on this journey, hit the link below, and step into a life that you were meant to live. I'll see you inside. Welcome to Couch Time with Amy Wine. The podcast that's all about helping high achievers like you thrive in life, relationships, and business. Hey there, I'm your host, Amy Wine, and each week I will be bringing you insights, inspiration, and practical strategies to help you live your best life. So whether you're looking to improve your relationships, grow your business, or find more meaning and purpose, you have come to the right place. With expert interviews, real life stories, and actionable advice, Couch Time with Amy Wine is the ultimate guide to personal growth and success. So grab your cup of coffee or a tea like me. Get comfortable on that couch and join me for real life, real relationships, real people. It is time to take your life to the next level, and I am here to help you every step of the way. All right, so how are you feeling today? Are you feeling connected with your spouse? Or are you feeling disconnected with your spouse? I think it comes in a common cycle. Sometimes I am connected and feeling great, and that may last for a little bit, but doesn't it inevitably just flow back around to disconnect? And if you're not careful and you don't watch it, you're going to be in disconnect for such a long period of time, it's harder to pull yourself out. So start recognizing it earlier and jump back in to your marriage. All right, friends, today I want to talk to you about a common cycle that I see in marriage counseling. And I'm going to go through a scenario with a couple. They're fictitional. They're made up off the top of my head, really. But it's something I see so much I can speak to it. So we're going to call this couple Rosie and John. We'll just go with my husband's name. But we're not talking about my husband. We're talking about Rosie and John, the fictitional couple. And what is happening is, let's say they've been married about eight years, and they are having intense fighting and lack of communication at all, unless it's fighting. And we all know that that type of communication doesn't get through. So when I speak with Rosie, Rosie is the more pursuing partner. And John is the more withdrawing partner. Now, you've heard my John and I talk about our relationship in this manner here, too, right? That we have had this cycle ourselves. So we're going to talk about the pursuer-withdrawer cycle In a marriage, it is so devastating. And you just see, man, the rage that comes up, especially behind closed doors. Y'all can put on a mask and go outside and be with your friends and be the it couple or with your family and be the it couple. And nobody really knows that you are falling apart. So that happens a lot. But let's just say Rosie is the pursuer. John withdraws. And what Rosie would say, she would feel like this. I'm going to give you an explanation of what she would feel like. I get so mad at him. I hate it, but I do. He's so competent at work. He's such a leader there. Everybody loves him. He does great things there. He has many accomplishments, and I'm so proud of who he is there. But at home, with me, he just melts, runs away, and acts like he's a toddler or a baby, or he doesn't have the ability to talk and stand up for himself and interact, or even know how to communicate. I am so frustrated with him. This is what Rosie would be saying, right? But here's what I would learn as I go along. And if I were working with a couple in this scenario, I would learn this. I would learn that fictional John got nervous when the couple began to argue. And when it escalated, he learned he wasn't a match for Rosie, that she took it to such a high other level that he could no longer even compete. And when I say compete, I don't mean compete for, you know, each other like we're in competition. Sometimes it gets there. But I mean, he was no match. Like she would never stop until she got her point across. So for him, it was just easier to stop. And this is what he would say. I can't stand and fight it out with her anymore. Her tongue is sharp. She is so critical. She puts me down all the time. Her mind thinks so quickly that I'm still stuck on the first thing she said, and I can't even process the next 10. And because I'm just sitting there looking at her like deer in the headlights because I'm still stuck at the first thing and she is like 10 miles ahead, she feels like I am not listening to her then it just escalates quicker and quicker and quicker. And then I think maybe it's because she grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters and learned to argue well. So I'm no match. So why even try? Okay. What I would hear from John or a person in this situation is they get sweaty. It's almost like they see white. They go tense. They're afraid. But being afraid sounds weird. Why would I be afraid of my wife? But my heart pounds. I have to get out of there. What is happening to John is he's getting what I call flooded. And it's this thing in your brain. It starts at the beginning of your forehead. And it kind of just takes, and if you could see me right now, take and just kind of flood your brain so your hands go back over each side. And it literally coats your brain so that it can't fire on each side to process all the input that's coming at you, let alone have an output, right? So it's that glazed overlook that your partners get when you're talking to them or they're in a conflict. Like they're not there anymore and it really just escalates and ticks people off. But I want you to pause and think about that. That means they're getting flooded and they physically cannot have a response to you. Physically cannot. They are in the floodwaters. They're drowning. They don't know what to do. Their flight response kicks up. They want to just get out of the situation, right? So in that situation, you got to give your partner time to calm down. Breathing in your nose, out your mouth. Seems weird. We're taught to breathe through our mouth. But what I want you to do is breathe in your nose, out your mouth. Until you can get it to the point where it's one, two, three, four, in... Out one, two, three, four, and I want you to in your nose, out your mouth until you can get it that slow. What it'll do is it's in oxygen straight to your brain, and it will calm that right back down. But you can't have continual input into it at the same time. So this is where you would ask for a break in the fighting. Now I'm going to pause the story for a minute because I want to give you the rules of a break. So each partner has the ability to ask for a break in a conflict. And it goes like this. I need you to stop because I'm getting flooded right now or I feel like I'm going to blow up and I don't want to have that interaction with you anymore. So I need a break and I need you to give it to me. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go take 20 minutes to self-soothe. This is not a go plan your defense. This is not a go figure out what you're going to come back with. This is not a go rile yourself up more at the, you know, oh my God, I can't believe they said that to me thoughts. This is to self-soothe. That means you're going to go take a bath. You're going to go walk. You're going to do jumping jacks. You're going to take a run. You're going to go read a book and read the same paragraph over and over again. You're going to go listen to soothing music. You're going to go meditate. Whatever self-soothing looks like for you, you're going to go do it. And if you don't know what that is, I want you to, while it's calm, figure out things that are self-soothing and start practicing them when you're calm. Otherwise, when you're upset, you cannot draw on them, okay? If your partner chases after you and says, you don't get to take a break until you hear me, because it happens, that is their issue, not yours. Do not take their anger on as you doing anything wrong. And to the partner, I would say, you need to learn emotional regulation, Because it is okay for your partner to take a break and not listen to your crap all the time. Sorry, I'm going to call it just for what it is. Because when we're angry and we're talking like that, it just comes out as crap. Garbly blah, 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 crap. All right. So you've taken your break. You've gone for 20 minutes. And set the timer so you don't have to keep looking at the clock. Whoever asks for the break, and listen up, this is key. Whoever asks for the break is responsible for coming back to the partner and saying, I'm ready to have that conversation now. Or... I'm not ready to have that conversation. I need another 20 minutes to calm down. You can do that up to three times, one hour. Remember, if you ask for the break, it's your job to come back. Otherwise, this will never work for you again, ever. If they've given you that break and you haven't, it will never work for you again because then you can't be trusted to come back and have the conversation. So if you're a withdrawer, this is very hard for you, but you've got to come back and learn how to do it in a different way. Okay. after 60 minutes, if you still because it's so toxic, cannot have this conversation, you can say, I can't do this. I need to take the 24 hour rule. Take it, but come back. Set a time. You're going to come back. And at some point, you all have to have it. If you can't, it's time to go get some outside help to mediate it. It just is. So there you have it. That's the rules of taking a break. Now, let's go back to our story with fictional John, he starts feeling like he's not much of a husband. He's wondering if his wife really respects or still loves him. And when he's successful at work, but he's not successful at home, he could start feeling like a failure as a husband. And this is common. So what do you do when you're failing something? You procrastinate, you don't do it, you don't engage it, You don't like the feeling, especially if you're highly successful in your work life. And this goes for men and women too, but I see it a lot with men. Then they feel like a failure. They're not going to engage it, right? They're just not going to do the work that needs to be done. Because he is feeling like a failure at home, John would say it's all very frustrating. He might get fidgety. And I would want to know what's the fidgety about? Like when I'm working with somebody, they get fidgety. And you could just see them intensify in their body while you are talking to them. If you're looking for even more support and guidance on your personal growth journey, in your marriage, or even in your business, then I invite you to check out the Thrive Life Collective app. Our holistic approach rooted in research, science, and scripture can help you strengthen your life, relationships, and business one step. At a time. Plus, our Thrive Today feature provides a daily motivation and encouragement in just three to five minutes a day. So why wait? Sign up for the Thrive Life Collective app today in Apple and Google app stores, and let's continue growing together. And it's generally because they're trying to withdraw because of this. They don't want to attack back. They don't want to run away when the conflict comes. But it's tough to respond differently when my partner, Rosie, keeps coming at me full speed. So what would I say? If you're trying to change this cycle, it's hard to stay engaged when you're feeling attacked, right? And he's like, yeah, it would be shaky, you know, kind of like the heat is coming. That is such a powerful statement. But I know that men in this situation specifically feel this way. And honestly, a side note, this could be reversed. This is just how I'm keeping it, you know, together for you. So what does it feel like when the heat is coming for somebody? They hate it. They start thinking that they can't match her. They can't do it right. They kind of feel like a dog on a leash. Problem is, like the dog... I don't speak English because she doesn't hear anything that I am saying. So if you feel like a puppy dog kind of on a leash, you either have a choice to sit and take it or you can attack back. Right? And you feel talked down to, kind of trapped, unable to respond like a puppy. And then you get tensed up. So... Look at what's happening in your body right now. If you resonate with John and Rosie, what is happening for John in his body right now? Okay? It's beaten down. It has no say. Kind of like a puppy has no say in its life, right? It is r- Puppies are ruled by a ruler. So then you get to that defeated. And then you get to that sad part. But what happens is John just needs to feel that he is securely attached. So if John was going to start to talk to Rosie about this and he was going to start to do it differently, I would ask him to turn to her and look at her, tell her what it was like for him to feel this way. Explain how it feels to be a puppy. It's not going to be easy for him and it's not going to be easy to share. It's kind of scary, but he's going to have to open up in this way and come from a feeling of, I feel blank about blank because of blank. Because she'll never hear him otherwise, right? She's not going to hear him. She's not going to understand his world and what it's like for him to get yelled at all the time. So it's kind of scary. She could get mad. Yeah, she could. She could belittle him. Yeah, she could. He's right. But I would ask him to take the risk. And she could miss how much of a risk this is for him. That is true. But could you share with her how risky and scary it is when you start? So it would go something like this. It's hard to share this with you. I'm afraid that you won't understand and are going to get mad. When that happens, it really affects me. I feel like a helpless puppy dog. I sometimes fear that you don't love me or that you may leave. I know I have at times acted like that puppy dog I've run away and I've hid with a feeling of afraid feeling afraid feeling afraid and helpless I don't know what moves to make to get your attention and to tell you these things so it's easier for me to just hide but babe, I don't feel like being separated or cut off from you. And that's how I feel after we fight or are mad at each other for days. I need you to stop attacking me so quickly and loudly. I'm going to try my best here and I want you to work with me and I need you to try your best too. Okay. Do you see how that is different than you've probably ever talked to your spouse And if you've tried this and weren't successful, you probably never tried it again. But I'm going to tell you the only way to change your relationship if it is in the anger withdrawal is to continue over and over and over and over and over and over. Did you get the point? Over and over and over and over again to speak to your spouse like this. Because the only person you can control is you. And wouldn't you rather know that you're handling things in a healthy manner, even if they're not? I promise you one person can change the marriage. One person, I've done it myself. I was on the other side, the angry wife that had to learn how to talk to her husband this way to give him the space to open up and do that for me. So if you're the wife that's angry, stop it. You are ruining your marriage. You can be justified a thousand times over in your position for everything you do. I get it. I'm justified and probably all of mine. He did the things that are, you know, caused the problems. But if I kept coming at him with anger, I was going to be divorced. So divorce-proof your marriage and start doing it different because the only person you can control is you, right? So what has John done here? He's talked about his feelings. He's talked about his need for attachment. He's talked about his withdrawing. He's kind of apologized without apologizing. He's stated he's trying to do it different and that he needs space for him to do it differently, but for her to work with him and make that space safe for him to open up. Right? So Rosie could respond and say, F you. Rosie could respond and say, I don't want to do that for you. I don't care about anything you say right now because you never this, you never this, you never this, you always this, you always this, you always this. First of all, if you're saying you never and you always, uh uh-uh, those two words do not equate. It can never be never or always be always. Sink that in. That's too extreme. You're catastrophizing everything, right? You're putting it to extremes. So John's just taking this risk. And let's say Rosie heard him and she gets what he's saying. This is something she might say. On one hand, it's sad for me because I don't want him to feel like a little puppy that has to be obedient or else. That was hard to hear. I'm not angry. It was really good to hear because I'd never hear this from him. But think about it. For Rosie, this is new to her. She's not used to seeing this part of John. That part that needs to be helping him for him to open up more that no longer wants to be emotionally separated. Like this is a smack in the face, not in a bad way, in a good way. Like she does not know almost what to do with this because she is so used to seeing him closing down or getting quiet. Guess what she is thinking? I thought he didn't care. That's what she's thought this whole time. That is what has caused her anger. Because underneath anger is hurt. Hurt or fear. She is hurt because she thought she doesn't care. And she feared because she thought she was losing her husband. Period. That's it. And right now, she's feeling sad for him. Sad for her. Sad for her relationship. And I would ask her to share what this meant. And this is something she might say. I'm sad that you feel this way. I never wanted you to feel unloved or be afraid that I might leave you. I don't want to leave you. I just didn't think you cared this much. I'm used to seeing the backside of you walking away, of your silence, of your withdrawal, of your acting to me. It comes across as if you never cared. So I do want to meet you in this place, right? Because why? John was vulnerable with her. He opened up, he used his big boy words, and he told her how he had been feeling. Okay? Problem is, if Rosie comes back angry and he's been vulnerable, he's going to shut right back down. Boy, that lock and key is going to be thrown out into the vast ocean. But I am telling you, if you are fictional John here, do not do it. You may not get it right the first time. You may not get it right the second time or even the 15th time. But what if 16 was your time and you changed everything just in the way that you're talking? Okay? And for Rosie, I would say. Listen when he tries. He may not get it right. He may forget to not attack back. He may forget to only speak from himself. But hear what he's saying. Allow him to get vulnerable with you because the number one thing you're asking him is to come and save you and wrap you up so you don't have to be angry anymore and you feel loved and you feel cared for. That is what you're wanting. You're angry and you're just saying, please come and hug me and tell me you love me and we're going to be okay. That is not going to happen for you in anger it just is not but isn't that exactly what you're asking for right at the end of the day so i hope that you guys got something out of this exercise that you liked hearing about rosie and fictional john because i don't want you to mistake him for my husband although he actually was i probably should have just put that in there i want you to know it took me if i was rosie coming and changing the relationship. It was not John that opened up first. It was me. And it took me taking the anger back from a place of me and explaining things to him differently. And it didn't happen overnight. Y'all, I'll be real. It didn't even happen maybe the first 30 times. And yeah, I had bits of anger in there and frustration. And it took us quite a while to repair it but now it is better than it's ever been before. And I promise you, if you stick with this and learn to speak to each other from a place of vulnerability and from your perspective, then you are definitely going to change your marriage. And I hope that you have loved this story and this information here. And if you would do me a favor, if you could rate and review the show on iTunes, I would so appreciate it. I really would. And maybe you'll even hear a shout out of you for your review because I think I'm going to start doing that. I love some of the reviews. They have blown me away. And I know this is so much needed and I want to be here for you. So drop me a line. Hello at amywine.com. Tell me what you want to hear on the podcast. I'll make an episode for you, most likely. Thanks for tuning in to Couch Time. This is Amy Wine, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and gained some valuable insights that you can apply to your own life, relationships, and business. Remember, you're capable of achieving anything you set your mind to, and I believe in you. Keep showing up, keep taking action, and keep striving for greatness. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe. I would be forever grateful if you could please leave a rating and a review and share it with someone who you think could benefit from these conversations. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep living your life authentically and intentionally on purpose and keep thriving in all areas of your life. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of Couch Time with Amy Wine. Are you feeling like your marriage is more about going through the routine than the romance? Just the day-to-day drudgery of all the things and the chaos that surround you that you have to do? You're not alone. Hi, I'm Amy Wine, your marriage and family therapist and founder of Thrive Life TV, and we get it. Impact-driven achievers like you deserve a marriage that is just as successful as your business and your career your marriage is about more than just staying together it's about growing together laughing together and reigniting the spark that makes you partners in every sense of the word that is where thrive life tv steps in join me for exclusive sessions we're going to tackle real life marriage challenges from reigniting passion to deepening your emotional connection. We're talking real change, real results. It is time to transform your marriage into a thriving partnership that you both deserve. On Thrive Life TV, you're gonna find practical strategies, shared experiences, and that extra push you. Need. Are you ready to up-level your marriage? Visit thrivelifetv.com And let's bring the joy and love and yes, the fun back in your marriage. I'll see you inside.